Hi, and welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Evening Community Podcast. We're a church community in Sydney, Australia, who are passionate about pursuing God together and seeing the world changed by His love. We hope this message challenges and inspires you. For more talks and other resources, please visit our website, www.northridge.org.au. Hi, everyone. Can you just quickly say hello to somebody sitting next to you who you haven't met? Quick, say hello. Because there are some people around. Say a quick hello. Ah, that's good. Thank you. Thanks. Very good. Okay, that's enough. Stop being fine. Okay, that's enough. All right. If I haven't met you, hi, I'm Phil. I work here, so it's sort of it's good to be here. We are in the middle of a series, and I'm going to start straight into it because uh, I don't want to miss some time. So... The story so far, Israel has lost its call to introduce humanity to the the love, the gracious, compassionate God who is their creator. That was what the Lord had uh, called them into as a nation. He chose them. He rose them up through, and we read in biblical history, that's what's happened. He was working with them, and part of their role, part of why he chose them was that they would be the people who would introduce the world to this wonderful God. They had turned authentic faith and trust in God into a rule-based religion, with their leaders more interested in their personal piety than actually caring for people who are poor, who are marginalised, who are in need of help. The nation of Israel is now ruled by the Romans, and any hope of a Messiah, a saviour, comes and goes with each passionate zealot who tries by force to conquer the might of the Roman army and then gets killed. So at the time of Jesus, there had been messiahs before and there were messiahs after Jesus. But Jesus arrives on the scene. A wise man, a prophet. He's powerful, he's healing people and people are being attracted from all over Israel to come and find out who is this guy and see what he's up to. He claims to be the true Messiah. He, um, even more, he says, I'm God. He comes to save not only his own people, but he comes to actually save the world and all who would put faith in him alone. Interestingly enough, he doesn't challenge the Roman occupation of Israel. Who he does challenge are the religious leaders. He rebukes them for withholding the kingdom of God to all who would truly seek to know God. And so as we read in Scripture, there's a lot of interactions, rather heated interactions, between Jesus and these religious leaders. He teaches and demonstrates what the kingdom of God, what God's rule really looks like. He he reveals who God truly is. So a question is building in his audience's mind. And in in our minds, and to be honest, ever since then, people have wondered, who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus, this God-man? And how do I respond to who he is and, and what I read about him? So we're in the middle of a series right now, um, which is recorded in John's Gospel. It's, it's all about some statements that Jesus makes 
about who he is. And what is interesting, and I'm going to read them out just very briefly before, you know, as we begin, is that it's not about who, it's not just about who Jesus is, but it's what do we do with that? And, and the statements he makes are, not, uh, are also revealing how we can connect in with who he is and how we can respond to him. So these are the statements. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have a great light. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Once we haven't looked at yet, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. I am the way, the truth and the life, Jesus says. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then his final one is recorded in John is, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What's powerful about these statements is it's not just about Jesus talking about himself, but he's helping us get who he is and how we can connect. Because I don't know about you, but I am constantly amazed that the God who holds the whole universe in the palm of his hands is one who says to us, you can know me. Now you think about that for a moment. That is a huge statement. And so it makes us challenge, how on earth, God, if you are God, if by your very voice you command our very existence into being, how on earth can I get to know you? How can I have a relationship with you? Well, here is Jesus saying, I'm going to show you how. All these statements that I've just read, I don't know whether you picked it up as I, as I read them, are all about how we can connect with God. He invites us into this deep friendship, a personal friendship, a friendship where he is with us all the time and has promised never to leave us. And he says, come to me, follow me, trust in me, believe in me. And tonight we are looking at when he says, remain in me. To the very source of our life, like a branch connected to a vine. Now the statement tonight takes place that we're looking at tonight is in, in John 15. But it takes place at an incredibly significant time in Jesus' ministry. It takes place between the table and the garden. Now, at the table, Jesus has just had a meal with his friends. It's going to be the last meal that he has with his friends. And, and in John 13 and 14, he talks about what happens around the table. And he's sitting there with his dear friends he spent all this time with. And he, uh, he encourages them with, uh, with their life. He gives them words to build them up. Then he, he shares... The Lord's Supper with them. 
He also washes their feet. He, he gets there. They're all there and he takes off his outer garment, puts a towel around his waist and he washes their feet. He also talks to them about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And also at that table, he challenges Peter in his exuberance of trying to be all that, that, that Peter is. So I'm for you, Jesus. I'm with you. And he challenges and he says, well, Peter, tonight you're going to deny me three times. And then he also says to Judas, the one who would betray him, go and do what you need to do. So all that happened at the table. These words of encouragement, this, this speaking into them about the coming of the Holy Spirit, how he models for them to say, you know what, I've come to serve you. I don't know about you, but having God wash your feet must have been a pretty amazing thought. And even Peter challenged that. And then right at the end, he says, it's time to go. And so they get up and, and the disciples really don't know what this next bit's going to be about. The next bit is they're heading to the garden. Now, we sort of know the story. We've been caught up in the story. We know that what happens in the garden is he gets to the garden and it's lots of olive trees. And by the time what's going to happen in the garden, a few things are going to go on. The first thing when Jesus gets to the garden, I don't know about you if you remember the story, is that he leaves his disciples and he goes off a little bit further away from them and he kneels down and he cries out to his dad, cries out to the father, Lord, is there any other way? Is there any other way for me to do what, what I've come to do? And yet Jesus goes, Lord, it's not my will, Father, but I want to do what you want to do. And remember the anguish that is in his heart because he is fully aware of, about what is about to happen and his anguish turns to blood. His sweat comes down his face and he's, he's like, he's already bleeding. And so there's that time of anguish. And then, and then he tries to um, call his disciples to stay alert, but yet they're falling asleep. They're so tired. It's been such a huge day. And all the things that they've just heard, it's just they're, they're overwhelmed. And then what is also about to come is his betrayer's kiss. His betrayer who he sent from the table to go and do, is now going to arrive with a guard and is going to walk up to him and kiss him as the sign, this is the one that you're to arrest. And then very quickly after that, for the, all the disciples who gathered and celebrated around the table and loved being there and they enjoyed all that was going on, those friends were then going to be, leave him. They were going to run, frightened for their lives because the guards had come to arrest Jesus. And so between that table and that garden, on the way, Jesus gives them this last I am. And so you've got to think that this is a pretty important I am, <laughs> because this is actually the last time he will just be with them to speak before he dies. So this is what he says. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that will even more so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of my word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in me, must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will, bear, you will bear fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in, remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Now I want to go to the next slide because I don't know about you, but you may have noticed a few things that have repeated itself. This whole word of remain in me. Now again, in these are nine verses, and I don't know about you, but if you count up the number of times he uses the word remain in me or remain, it's quite a lot, yeah? So you sort of get the idea that he's pretty keen on us understanding or getting this whole idea of remaining in him, yeah? Very important. Well, I want to do something right now. So I just need to run behind the stage for a second. <laughs> I'm hoping it's open. Yes. I'm coming back. Don't worry. I'm just trying to find something. Uh, this will have to do. Okay. Oh, the door's closing. Oh, back. It's quite warm back there. Um, I don't know whether I've got anything that makes sense here, but I wanted, as I was sort of preparing or just thinking about what I was going to say, I just got this image. I don't know. Um, have you, None of you have actually been into space, yeah? Well, sometimes, you know... No, well, maybe not. <laughs> well, how far out? It's funny that it's called space, isn't it? Um, I, I remember this whole... This is so not working. It always happens when you get a cord. It just instantly goes into this sort of mode. You know when you've you've all seen movies have been out in space, right? And you know when they spacewalk, you know what they do? They tie this thing around them, don't they? And we've been singing about this tonight. This word we sung it. What was the word that we were singing tonight? Oh, amen! You've already got the whole thing. What Jesus is saying, and I wish this was longer because I want to do it, but speak from. This is what Jesus is saying in this. In this passage, this is what he is saying to. Now, I really would like to come over there because my notes are over there. <laughs> and I'm here. But, but I'm just going to go from uh, this image of remaining 
the first thing that Jesus says is to recognise that Jesus is the source of life. That, like, in it, he said that without me, you can do nothing. When you're in space, the only way you survive is to, is to stay tethered, connected to the source of oxygen and life. And he's saying it's like that. This whole sense of it, you need to understand. See, as um, the disciples are going to, they have no idea what, but Jesus knows. He knows they're going to just run away and be completely freaked out by what's about to happen. And he's saying to them, I want you to get, as you go ahead in life, you need to live like this, knowing that the only way you're going to survive is to stay absolutely connected, tethered, held to, remain clinging to the very source of life, and that's me. Does that make sense? That's the big message that he's trying to get to tonight. And so this is funny because I'm not going to take this off and so I can't do nothing, so I should just sit down. But no, 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 I'll keep going a little bit more. So point number one, what he's trying to say is, firstly, is that Jesus is the very source of life and to stay and to be disconnected from him is to be completely removed from that source. So one, stay connected. Um, and what does it what does it mean? I mean, yes, you've got the visual image, but it's friendship. It's, it's in friendship, in trust, in honour, in worship, in vision, in purpose. Staying connected to the Lord is, is like, he's not present. I can't hang out with him like the disciples did. How do we stay connected? How do we stay tethered to the Lord? It is by staying connected to his family. It is staying in Scripture. It says, don't give up the habit of meeting together. This is one of the most important things that we can do to stay tethered to Jesus, and that's to stay connected to a family. Is to stay together, to worship together. The power of just coming here and being in worship is very significant for us. Sometimes all we can do is come and sit in this environment of where the Lord is. That's so important. Stay connected. Stay connected by, by praying, by talking to him, by pouring out your heart to him, by just going, God, I need you. And see, this whole concept of tether is actually recognizing this fact that I need God. Sometimes we feel like, oh, but isn't it as we mature, we should be able to stand on our own two feet because that's what the world teaches us about maturity? No, what the Lord says is you need to grow and understand that the only way to survive is that you realize that you need me all the time. Huge, huh? All the time. We need him for everything. He sustains our very existence. And so this whole idea of being tethered to him makes sense. And he wants it. It's not like, oh, you need me again. He goes, oh, great. Can I help out? He just wants to be involved in our lives. So it's being connected. It's recognizing and responding to God's presence in you and around you. Sometimes you feel God. Respond to that. Sometimes you feel God to, God's asking you to go do something. Go do that. The other thing is, is to also recognize and resist the temptation from this world to trust in other things. It is a decision that we need to make to realize that this other stuff that the world throws out is not like being tethered to Jesus. Jesus. 
He, nothing in this world will give us what Jesus does. And now, and you know what? I'm a bit older than a lot of you here. Same message for me. I'm here today because I've chosen to stay tethered to Jesus my whole life. Have I done it perfectly? No, but I've tried my best. I keep coming back. I keep getting on my face. I keep coming to him. I keep praying to him. I cry. I sing. I worship. I stay connected to the church. That's how you'll do it for the whole of your life. You want to stay and still be connected to Jesus when it comes that day that we spoke about, when we will see, because everyone will see God face to face. It's the question is how you feel about that day. Because I believe as we stay connected to him now, when that day comes, we're like, booyah, he's here, we're home, everything is unreal. That's what I want us to experience, that joy, that... Because you could sense the Holy Spirit. When we sang that, didn't you feel the Holy Spirit tonight? Just stir in your heart to go, I'm going to see my God face to face and he's going to welcome me home. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, God, I cry on that, that idea. And we sing that. And so it's just awesome. But we need to recognize that there's some things in this world that are calling us to say, come to me, believe in me, get connected to me. And it's nothing like what Jesus is. And yet that's what the world is pumping out day in, day out. And we can spend our time on our phones or all those other things. Now, there is a fruitless branch that is spoken about that's removed from the vine and burned. Now, you've got to remember, Jesus has just come from interacting with one significant person in the 12. And he told him to go and do what he needed to do. The disciples didn't know, but that was the branch that looked like a disciple, but he hadn't, Judas hadn't, connected his life to Jesus. And so... He was removed, and he did what he needed to do. But in Jesus' mind, that's just what happened. You get what I'm saying? At the table, he's just sent Judas out, and he's going, and you're saying, I don't want you to be a Judas branch where there's no fruit and you're not connected. And so Judas is removed. And so it is like, I don't want to be like that. We don't want to be like that. And the, the point is what Jesus is saying is as you stay connected, you will produce fruit. This whole idea of the vine is as a branch stays connected to the vine, the sap of the, of the vine brings life to the branch. And so what looked like a branch that was connected actually wasn't. And we can look like a Christian. We can come to church, we can say the right things and know the right things, but have we connected to Jesus? Is he our friend? Is he the one who is defining and shaping our lives? Is he the one who we go to? Is he the one we pray to? So there is a fruitless branch, but there is also the fruitful branches. Now, I want to let you know that when you invite Jesus into your life and it's in here, then you will produce fruit. By the very nature of you saying yes to Jesus in your heart, the Spirit comes and dwells within you. And his presence, later in Scripture, talks about the fruit of the Spirit. You know, you've heard of that before, fruit of the Spirit. Fruit, 
Okay, the fact that the Spirit is present in our lives will produce fruit. So that's awesome. But what I want to challenge us with is this whole idea of pruning, because that's what he says happens to branches who are producing fruit. Now, we have a, um, an orchard up at Gloucester, and I have pruned those things, and I'm cutting branches back because I, I don't want them to grow a lots of branch with a little fruit. And they do grow a lot, and so I prune them back. And, so, and it's a constant process. So what's pruning? Pruning is where God uses any and every circumstance to continue to grow us up in him, to mature us. And so pruning, I don't know about you, but if somebody comes to you with a pair of seconds and it's something off, it's got to hurt, right? Amen. Not that that's exactly what it's... Well, that's the natural thing of pruning fruit trees. So sometimes there are things in our lives that hurt. Sometimes it's relational things. Sometimes it's just stuff that happens. It may be a grief. It may be being sick. It may be all sorts of stuff can happen in our lives that, that may cause us pain. The thing that I know about our God, when we are tethered to Jesus, what he loves us, he is bring our source of life and his dream for us, his purpose in our life is to produce, help us produce the sort of fruit that is a sign of maturity. And so God will use all sorts of circumstance to grow us. Because, you know, when things in life hurt, where do you go? Who do you turn to when life's tough? If God is one of them, that's what he's looking for. That sense of fruitfulness comes that when, when life happens, we have already built up enough journey with Jesus that we turn to him and go, Jesus, I need help right here. I'm hurting right now. I'm going to go to you. And what is fruitfulness? Fruitfulness, we might think, oh, yeah, you've got to be this sort of person to be fruitful. Have you got to save 400 people each week, you know? Fruitfulness is as simple as taking a tissue and giving it to a friend who needs it. Fruitfulness is recognising that there are people around you who just need you to care. I think one of the most important things that we can do to our world is show our world that our God is kind. Just kind. And he loves us to bits. You know, and all of us here who love Jesus are already tethered to the source of life. And so as he's walking with his disciples, and in his heart he's about to grieve over them because he's leaving them. He's done three years, and he's about to leave them on their own in a way, but not alone. And he's saying, guys, what I want you to get right now I don't want you to be like Judas. I want you to be just connected. I want you to remain. I want you to cling to me like nothing else matters. That's the message that Jesus is bringing tonight. Why don't we pray?